I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. State-funded banks are offering less competitive mortgage rates, so can you get a better deal at a building society? Buying privatised companies has proven a better bet than the FTSE since the 1980s. So what deals should you consider now? And enterprise investment schemes. As the tax year comes to a close, we look at the best places to put your money. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. Tanya Poley. Hi. Ellen Kelleher. Hello. And our special studio guest, Justin Urquhart-Stewart, Director at Seven Investment Management. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, the Mortgage Works, nationwide specialist lending arm, launched a range of new mortgage deals following on the heels of other building societies who have been blazing a trail in the more unusual mortgage products. But state-owned banks such as Halifax and Northern Rock have consistently charged higher rates for their two-year fixed mortgage rate deals than the rest of the market. So, Tanya, does this mean we should all be going to building societies for our mortgages? That's not actually necessarily the case. Um, I think it very much depends on what type of mortgage deal you're after. Um, building societies have been kind of leading the way in terms of um, different type of niche areas. So they're going for more kind of higher loan-to-value products. Um, they're going for maybe more interesting um, deals such as the, the Mortgage Works, which, one which we've mentioned, which is a um, sort of new range of guarantor mortgages. Um, well, the state-funded banks have been criticised recently, especially this week, for failing to actually offer competitive products. But there are a lot of banks such as, um, you know, HSBC, Santander um, and Barclays, which are still offering quite competitive deals, but in the kind of very prime market. So you need to kind of be not after very high load to value. But you need to be a very sort of clean, plain vanilla case, um, you know, not much debt um, and that kind of case. Okay. So if you're a slightly more risky customer or you don't quite have as much um, deposit to put down, it might be better off looking at what the building societies have to offer? Yes, that's the case. I mean, with building societies, often they're sort of they're very much done on more of a um, you know human basis because you've got actual proper underwriters there um, looking at it as case by case. While with the big banks, it tends to be very much computer driven, um, so you're less likely to get away with kind of um, finding a bit more of a niche case and sort of if you've got a bit more interesting terms and conditions, hmm. basically. And tell me a bit more about those guarantor products you were mentioning from the Mortgage Works that they were launched this week. How do they work? Yeah, well, um, basically, um, mortgage brokers have been very excited about it this week because um, last week we did see the withdrawal of Halifax's range of guarantor products, which caused a bit of a kind of outcry in the market. Um, basically, the Mortgage Works have come in and um, offered sort of a new range. They've offered um, a new type of product, which is called a limited liability um, guarantor product, and as well as a kind of the fully normal guarantee product. Um, the limited liability basically just means 
um, the guarantor, which is usually um, parents or relatives, will only have to actually guarantee a the shortfall of the debt um, rather than the whole loan, as was, has typically been the case. Mm. Um, so it's really just meaning that the, the guarantor doesn't have to have take on as much risk as before. So what kind of people do you think that will appeal to you? I think it'll appeal to um, probably quite a large range of people, really, because it just it just means that you don't actually have to take on much risk. So um, for people maybe who have a the parents already have still have a large mortgage, um, it means they'll probably be more with, like able to actually um, help out their kids as well, mm. rather than where with a full um, guarantee, you tend to have to really not have much of a mortgage. Um, you'd be able to say that you've got this kind of money there to be able to cover that loan. And why is it that we're seeing these kind of more interesting deals from building societies as opposed to banks? Well, um, building societies, I think they're very much struggling um, to find where they can be competitive. Um, especially in the mortgage market, you're seeing um, the banks really, like I said earlier, sort of aim at the, the prime vanilla cases, um, which building societies, due to their limited funding, they can't really um, sort of offer the same kind of competitive low rates um, that the banks are. Um, so they're having to find these niche areas where maybe the big banks aren't that much interested in at the moment, like the high loan to value and sort of kind of interesting, more um, unusual products. Um, so that's where they're finding, actually, they can be a bit more competitive on. Thanks for that, Tanya. And for more on the best mortgage deals out there, look out for Tanya's article in this weekend's FT Money with The Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, enterprise investment schemes. First, though, privatisations. Investors who bought into a range of popular privatisations in the 1980s and held on to the shares have substantially outperformed the UK stock market, according to research by Bruin Dolphin, the investment manager. A basket of holdings in nine of the government's sell-offs of the Thatcher era is now up 567%, well ahead of the FTSE 100 index's rise of 364%. Steve, you've been looking at the statistics this week. The figures look quite compelling. They do indeed, Alice. And uh, we're very fortunate here to have Justin Urquhart-Stewart from Seven Investment Management, who, of course, is one of the few people in the city who still remembers the 80s. That's incredibly sad, isn't it? It is, it is. And I almost remember them, Justin, but I was... Selling shares to grannies at the time, but um, why, why do, why, why have we got this outperformance? I mean, privatisations. We all know that they were meant to be sold off on the cheap at the time, but even this buy and hold performance seems to be quite extraordinary, and of course, doesn't include the dividends. Well, you spot on. Yeah, first of all, they were sold off cheap, and um, we said so at the time because here you had what? Remember, it was being referred to as the uh, the family uh, family silver being sold off, and uh, so we could see the prices, and they were actually marketed. Remember, we were trying to have at that stage it was going to be shareholder democracy everyone was going to have shares and so they were marketed so that remember the sid character tells sid to go and get his shares british gas that, that was, was british it, gas yeah. but uh, the great euphoria of it and of course this tied up with the build-up to big bang as well when everyone was actually focusing on on fast cars red braces and uh, and generally bad behavior uh, and of course it actually was a bit of a nightmare at that stage because you had people being asked to buy shares who'd never bought them before at all had no idea there was greater knowledge of share as a singer than anything you could buy and then actually applying for shares people didn't know what to do um, and so actually what they're expected to do is own a few hundred shares and now you're a shareholder from there you'll build your portfolio 
No, you didn't. You sold them, probably. Well, exactly. I mean, there was there was the famous phenomenon. Now, a lot of the terminology at the time is is great, isn't it? There, there were stags, weren't there? Tell us, remind us what a stag was a and stag, how they did. exactly. And a stag was merely someone who went in purely with the idea of actually applying for the shares and selling them almost immediately, and then just taking the profit. So rather than actually being a proper shareholder, part of the company, and voting for it in the future, no, just give me the money. And frankly, that was the overriding issue for most people. And I think some BT shareholders in the first privatisation. 130p, I mean, managed to make 80% on day one. Um, but BT, of course, is a classic example where you really haven't done that well by buying and holding. I think the shares are now sort of yes. jockeying around a, a hundred pence. About a pound. Mm. And so really with, the, with these sort of companies, bear in mind a lot of these as well were fairly dull utility type companies as well. So these were companies which uh, were going to be ones which didn't have a great deal of excitement, but over the time, of course, went through periods. We had the telecom boom. Yes, in, in the, uh, yes, the old the technology boom. Yeah. TMT. And so uh, that went through a period where it all became a great sort of fashion. And then later on with the other utilities as well. Uh, and th- so these were ones that were sold off cheaply where you could actually see a good revenue stream coming through, backed up by solid assets, and even some of the ones which never made it, like Railtrack. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Railtrack was sold off so quickly, much faster than any of the trains went, by a dying Tory regime. And basically, it was sold off as the world's thinnest property company. It was nothing to do with trains at all. It was mm. just a very, very thin property business stretching all over the country. And ultimately nationalised, of course. And a failure for anybody owning those shares, although they will be getting some uh, little dribs and drabs of benefit coming through. I afterwards. think the final payment, yes, of 2p is due in the next week or so. so 2p um, sums it up perfectly. But that also shows you the delay in something being nationalised and you're actually getting anything back at all, which is a lesson, I suppose, for bank shareholders in uh, recent times. Um, And looking forward, Justin, um, the Conservatives most recently, or or, or George Osborne, has talked about selling the bank stakes at a discount, hasn't he? That's a form of privatisation, isn't it? It would be a form of privatisation. Sadly, it sounds as though we're just repeating the sins of the 80s, not learning from it at all. We didn't get wider share ownership, really, in any particular depth. Giving people 100 shares in a company is hardly really very sensible. Most people building up their savings over time should probably be looking at broader spread of funds and such like. So maybe here's a chance of some imagination for the Tories if they get in. Rather than selling off shares in a bank or two banks... How about shares in a series of government assets overall to give people a starter pack of a fund which already has a breadth of different asset classes and a greater opportunity of saving for the future? So a kind of state investment fund, perhaps? Absolutely. And in other words, you might actually call that a guilt, I suppose, but, many, but at least you're tying it, therefore, probably, properly to real assets and giving people an opportunity to participate at all levels, not just for the filthy rich or those people who want to just try and short-term stag it. But whether through a fund or particular state assets, I mean, what might we look for? to in the, for a cap from a cash strapped government in future I and mean, people are talk, people have been talking repeatedly about royal mail haven't they yes we've got issues like royal mail there are some other small geographical meteorological areas as well which have been talked about but of course actually there are whole areas which need to be subcontracted if the government's going to change shape if we're going to have less government so that leads to the opportunity of actually taking whole departments and maybe hiving those off and therefore the possibility of packaging those up into a fund and therefore providing a real tangible base for people to have a part ownership of the government. Thanks for that, Justin and Steve. And for full details of how to invest in privatisations, read Steve's article in the FT Money section this weekend and on our website ft.com forward slash money.
Finally today, enterprise investment schemes. Investors have been scrambling to put their money into tax-efficient schemes before the end of the tax year in April, as they do every year. And many are looking at enterprise investment schemes, which invest in startup businesses and offer 20% tax relief on your investment on the way in, up to a maximum of £500,000. The schemes uh, seem to be particularly popular with high earners this year, after the government restricted the amount of high-rate tax relief on pension contributions for those earning over £150,000. But some of the schemes, of course, are riskier than others. So, Ellen, you've been having a look at these schemes. How do investors decide which enterprise investment scheme to go for? Well, this is a very difficult question, and there, it requires a lot of weeding to get through these sorts of investment schemes and kind of figure out which ones are uh, most attractive for uh, your portfolio. Um, basically, EIS schemes allow you to invest in unquoted companies. Uh, and so it's always difficult to kind of assess the risk of, of buying into an unquoted company because they're just not as transparent as quoted companies. But uh, I'm going to turn here to Justin Urquhart-Stewart, who knows a bit more about the best schemes to buy into. Justin, in your experience, which uh, sorts of EIS schemes are you uh, encouraging your clients to buy into? Well, you have to look not so much at ones which has got the individual investments themselves, because at that stage, these things are so small uh, that you really don't know how they're going to turn out. No, no, the clue is to actually find the right EIS manager with a track record, where you've actually got a team of people who've actually got that sort of experience. So if you want to pick one of those, a company like Octopus has built up a very good reputation over the years. Does that mean it's always going to be successful? No, they'll have their failures as well. So look much more for the longer-term track record of the people who are doing the selection and running of those funds. And if that then stands up, then that would be probably more enticing for you. Great. And what sort of companies are these managers buying into? Often you'll find these are high-tech small businesses, and these areas are actually quite exciting at the moment. Whilst the British economy may look uh, as though it's down on its knees, you go to a lot of the science parks of the universities, and you'll find some very exciting businesses. And some of the ones I'm involved in are really enjoying, A, the pound at a better level, but also it really highlights where Britain's actually got a lot of skills. We may not be a nation of small shopkeepers. We are a nation of small businesses. And this is why EIS can be really beneficial. But there are an awful lot of bad ones as well as good ones. I'm afraid it's high risk, but high returns if you get it right. One reason that these schemes have been so popular this year particularly is that some higher earners seem to be using enterprise investment schemes as well as venture capital trusts, which are kind of similar, um, for pension savings. Because of course, you can only get higher rate tax relief on 40% of your um, contributions for up to £20,000 if you earn over £150,000. That's a lot of figures, but they've gone and made it very complex for you're, us all. You're absolutely right. This year, particularly, a lot of people at that, that sort of level are looking to try and actually shelter and actually capping their income to put extra into other areas, be it pensions or into these other tax breaks. Over the next decade, tax breaks are going to be really vital. But here's the big warning. Now, a tax break is merely a wrapper, like a Mars bar wrapper. If you've got a stale Mars bar in a lovely wrapper, it's still a stale Mars bar. Well, this is the problem as well, because I think enterprise investment schemes are potentially a lot riskier than your average pension fund, I imagine. Um, so using them as a, a kind of an alternative to your, to your pension purely for the tax breaks is probably not the wisest idea. No, don't, you don't invest just for the tax break. You will invest on the basis you'll take a small proportion of your portfolio and have high risk investment. This is a punt. And the definition of a punt is you can afford to lose it. If you can't afford to lose it, don't do it. What kind of returns are we talking about if you if you are lucky enough to pick the right enterprise investment scheme? Oh, I mean, some of the returns on the individual companies themselves within the fund uh, have been spectacular. I'm 
or more than 100%, 200%. It all depends whether the original concept comes to fruition and then, of course, they can actually sell it on and be able to exit it. But in any fund, it's a basket of winners and losers and you've just got to get more winners and losers. Right, so tread carefully when selecting your enterprise investment scheme this year. Thanks very much for that, Justin and Ellen. And uh, if you'd like to know more about the best enterprise investment schemes, look out for Ellen's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Steve, Tanya, Ellen and our special guest, Justin Urquhart-Stewart from Seven Investment Management. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.